Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. so much for tuning in to the PHNX podcast. Don't forget to hit that like button. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It's the first show that Craig and I are back on U.S. soil together. Sean's here. We gave Petey the day off, and we are super excited to welcome in a very special guest. It's Sun Devil Hockey Associate Coach and Recruiting Coordinator, Abby O'Connell. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Great having you in studio and uh, excited to check in on Sun Devils and as the Watt says, the other team at the mullet, um, you know, right. I would say the primary. Yeah, you're the residents. you're the primary tenant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tenants is the word. But uh... the, you're the landlord. Thanks for joining us. It's I, we've been trying to get you on the show for a while, but you haven't been in Arizona very much, have you? No, not a lot. It's a little too hot for me at this point. Yeah, but <laughs> That's fair it's enough. just the heat. No, no, it didn't have anything to do with work, right? <laughs> no, no. I started out, and I think I was hired uh, just at the beginning of July. Um, but I stayed out east because there's a lot of the USA festivals out, yeah. up in Buffalo. Uh, and then I made my way out in August here a couple weeks, and then back out east, and you know, back and a little bit of back and forth right now, just trying to cover as much as we can. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the forecast, but uh, this is it. This week is it, and then it. October 1st, 80s. it just snaps and we're down to the 80s. This happens often here. It's kind of weird. Somebody flips a switch and <laughs> eight months of great weather straight. So there we go. I look forward to the switch. <laughs> yeah, we go. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about your role in a bit here, but I want to start with some biographical stuff. You're a Watertown guy, right? So where did you play before BU? Maybe walk me through a little bit of your history, how you got into the game and, and we'll go from there. Uh, well, I just played locally at the time. A lot of people just played like town hockey right. and then they had some like travel teams and whatnot. They called it the Metro back in Boston, where it was like six teams. Um, so I played that up until junior high school. I ended up going to St. Sebastian's. It's like a prep school, yep. day school um, in the Boston area in Needham. So it's probably like 25 minutes from Boston. Um, I played there and then went right to Boston University from there. Did you uh, grow up? I mean, that, that area is so rife with with hockey players did you grow up with any legends play against against any big names while you were coming up um yeah a little bit you know i think i think on our team we had quite a few guys that ended up you know get moving on and, and playing in the national hockey league and, and some others within our league um but yeah overall that area at the time was really strong the game has grown in in drastic ways yeah obviously I'm living in Arizona, uh, and that and the hockey yeah. didn't exist uh, at the college level at the time. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, Boston was a great area to grow up and play, and it was it was a hockey hotbed. Yeah, 
So how'd you eventually end up at BU? And can you tell us a little bit about your experience there? You made it to the title game in your sophomore year, um, played for Jack Parker. How'd you end up at BU and what was that experience? Well, I, I went through like the recruiting process, like by a lot of schools, you know, a lot of Western schools, a lot of Eastern schools through that USA hockey, mm -hmm. like the select 16, 17s, those sort of tryouts. That's where you kind of get out there and get in front of people. And then they had a hockey night in Boston. It was a summer tournament that a lot of the schools went to, which is, I don't know if it even exists anymore. Um, but I grew up, you know, wanting to go to Harvard. Didn't quite have the grades. <laughs> so I had to settle Neither for- did we, Neither yeah. did we. Yeah, no, it's, it's a little difficult to get in there. But, um, but uh, then it was kind of BU or BC. I was four miles, five miles from both. My whole family went to Boston College. Um, oh. So I went through the process with both schools. I went over and met uh, Jack Paca in July, beginning of July of my junior year. And uh, I met Jerry York right after. Mm. Uh, I think Jerry went to high school with my father. My father's like a triple eagle. My brother's like a double eagle. Wow. My, whole, okay. like, my aunt went there. Like my whole family went to Boston College. So everyone kind of thought I was going to go there. I just like what Jack Paca had to say. He was really sharp. Not that Jerry didn't do a good job, but I just really, I was like intrigued by him and Blaze McDonald, who was their like recruiting coordinator was, was incredible through the process. So what I just, defines Jack Parker? What's a, he's obviously he's a legend in college hockey, but what defines him? What was, what was he like to work with? Uh, he was, he was definitely intense. Um, he was hard nosed guy, but had a personality. He was, yeah. he was definitely a ball breaker, um, but he was fair. You know, the one yeah. thing that I, I, I felt him even at like 17 years, 16, 17 years old, that like he was honest and he didn't, there wasn't any BS behind what he was saying. Um, kind of had to come in and earn it. And Watertown was a little bit blue collar and you kind of had to earn your way with whatever you did. So I kind of resonated with me. Was your family devastated that you chose BU over BC? Or just <laughs> my one? mother was not very excited. <laughs> <laughs> my my father didn't really care, uh, but my mother was definitely. She's like, "How could you go to that school? BC is such a better school." And blah 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 blah. And I got a letter from Harvard one, like basically through, through the process, like you submit your grades, and I got a letter back, and basically saying after reviewing your academic resume, you're no longer considered a student athlete for Harvard. I I, I didn't. I still haven't lived that one down. <laughs> oh my gosh! How, so, so how long did it take her to get over the uh, that decision though? Just going to BU? Did she eventually accept it, or you still yeah? About I think that? once I got there, she liked it. I still think you know <laughs> you go to the two campuses. BC's beautiful. Um, it's like not right downtown. It's in a beautiful area. Yeah. It's got. It's just way. It's more like an Arizona State or a Big Ten school than in urban city school, BU, you know, we used to joke about it. It was a concrete jungle, you know? <laughs> so it was like, it's basically just in the city. Mm. <laughs> well, moving through the steps of your playing career, I brought this up when we were talking on the phone yesterday, but, and you didn't even know this at the time, uh, your English playing experience after <laughs> BU went over to Britain and actually played for the same organization as Paul Bissonette, <laughs> the Cardiff Devil. So what prompted that decision? How'd you get, make your way over to England to play? Uh, it was, it was really random like I played the one year in the East Coast League I was going to move on and then in that summer I got a phone call uh, from a friend whose agent had an opportunity to go play in in England and I'm like kind of hemming and hawing like should I do it and I ended up doing it the one year and I'm like all right I'm I'm done and then I came back in the summer I was trying to figure out what I was going to do 
try to, I was trying to get into like a prep school or, or work some, something in, in teaching or coaching or administrative, something that was involved with the prep school. Yeah. And then Jerry Keefe, who's the head coach at Northeastern was like, Hey, I'm going to Cardiff. Do you want to come? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> and so, but I ended up going, like I didn't, nothing really kind of manifested. So I ended up going, uh, and we lived together. And we played there for, I would think I was only there a couple months. It was an incredible place. It was beautiful. Mm. Really friendly people. Good time. Very, very, very good time. Okay. Um, so much that you want to, don't want to tell us about it? I will saying? definitely yeah. keep those stories to myself. <laughs> um, but it was it was great. Uh, I had a good couple months. And then once 9-11 happened, it was probably after the first month, I'm like, I'm kind of done with this. I, I'd like to. And the team was having some financial issues. So I could have went to another team. I opted to go home, went to Atlantic City. Yeah, my and I'm hoping Sean has that because I, I looked at the jersey of the Atlantic City Boardwalk Bullies, which is, first of all, talk about a spectacular name. And I looked at the jersey, I'm like, I got, I got to get one of these. So how did that all happen? Uh, I think it was Jerry. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Jerry's <laughs> like, I'm going to go there. Do you want to come? I'm like, not really. Um, so I went there. I was there maybe a month um, I ended up going in and talking to the coach after the first week. I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done. Like, I yeah. really don't want to play anymore. This is not going anywhere. Um, so I, he's like, well, give it a road trip. So I gave it like another month. Like a, I was there like a month and I'm like, I went in, I'm like, I'm wasting your time and mine. I got to leave. Yeah. So I just, I went back to Boston and I figured what I did. Oh yeah. I forgot, I forgot what it looked like. That's yeah. like I was only there a month. Look at yeah. that. That's spectacular. Yeah, that's a riot. That's unreal. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I enjoyed Atlantic City, though. It's a fun place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. More stories that you can't tell? <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the coast like? What's it like to play in the coast? Um. Yeah, I played in Pensacola my, uh, my first year out of college, and it was beautiful. We lived, like, right on the beach. I had, like, an apartment. Wow. I had the revolving apartment, so anyone that was, like, traded... I always had like a single and then I had someone and then I had a single. So I was on the second floor with like ocean views of Pensacola Beach on the Gulf wow. Coast. So That's it was pretty awesome. Okay. It was beautiful. Yeah. And the coach was was incredible, Al Peterson, former Bruin. Um, and it was like, it, it was actually a lot of older guys who were like a lot of guys that might have played in the American League. And um, I think at the time they probably played some of those guys pretty well to be down there because it was one of the nicer spots. They had great fans, really supportive people. Um, I had a blast. It was probably one of the more fun years I had playing. Um, we had a nice sleeper bus and cards on the bus. It was pretty fun. <laughs> mm. uh, well, you alluded to wanting to get into coaching or teaching. So how did you eventually get into the coaching realm once you decided to I, stop playing? I, I kind of just cold called a bunch of prep schools, you know, and just used some contacts and some resources, sent some emails out. Um, and then I got a call from back from the the guy who was the head coach at Berkshire School, asked and said he had an opening and they had an opening in the Dean of Students office. So it kind of like worked together. I ended up coaching hockey and baseball. I played a lot of baseball growing up. Okay. So I was I was an assistant baseball coach. I wouldn't have been one if they told me I had to wear a uniform. <laughs> like before that, if he said you had to wear a uniform, I wouldn't have done it, but I got stuck with that. We went to spring training. It was really good like window oh. into it. Yeah. Um, I think my wife would have loved to stay, um, but it just wasn't enough, you know? And then I I ended up going up to Colby and then it just kind of dominated from like trying to get a better job and try to make actually a salary that 
made sense to actually do it. Did you ever have, uh, maybe you just wanted to get into the Division One ranks, but did you ever have schools in mind? Because obviously you, you eventually made your way back to BU with stops at, you mentioned Harvard, Northeastern, all those. Did you want to end up back at BU or did you just want to get into the D1 ranks somehow? No, I didn't really care. Like every job that I I did, I pretty much enjoyed. Like some one of my two favorite jobs was working at Colby College mm. and working at Niagara University. Sometimes it's just the people that you work with. Yeah. Harvard was terrific. I've worked with a lot of really good people and some fun places, but I've just, whatever I'm doing, I've tried to throw myself into it and whatever comes from it, comes from it. Last thing before I know we got to get to an ad break, but I got to ask, and I, I bring this up every time we talk Boston College hockey because it's it's just one of the coolest events ever. Playing in or coaching in the Beanpot, which you, you've done both. Try and capture that and... God, I wish we could replicate that somewhere else in the country because it's just the coolest event. I loved going to the Beanpot when I was back east. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely unique on the Monday. You know, both Mondays, there's no sporting events going on. Everyone, it's kind of a gathering place for everyone in the city. Um, and it's like, who's going to be the city champ? Yeah. So it's like bragging rights and, you know, a lot of pride goes into it, a lot of pressure goes into it. It's probably as pressure-packed as a national championship game or an mm. NCAA game, sometimes even more. Um, yeah, maybe not the national championship, but getting up to that point, um, like Final Four is pretty intense, but it's 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 real. The and pressure's you won real. It. You have the, yeah. the photo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a good good night. That was, that was <laughs> the goalie that's at Arizona State was the goalie for Northeastern in that game, TJ. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's right. That's and they they scored a, like he played incredible. Yeah. And we scored one with like just a couple minutes to go. Like we we got a break and we scored one. And Bill Armstrong's kid Jamie was the one that made the play on the goal. No way! <laughs> yeah. Wow, so well, many the, Arizona ties. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. It was one of the best plays Jamie's ever made. Yeah. It was it was it was an incredible play. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he was committed to Northeastern, and then. Ended up at BU, so it's, it was like a lot of like a lot of stuff going on in that game. Yeah. So it was, it was a good it was a good night. It was That's a good win. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, we still have so much to get into. We're going to talk more about recruiting and more about ASU specifically. I think people are going to be blown away to hear some of the names you've recruited um, in your tenure, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, but before we do, I see there's a comment about. The Suns trade, I know it's crazy. Things are happening. Um, it's probably going to shift the odds on BetMGM for um, NBA title favorites and such. So I always say get your future bets in early. Um, but hockey is just two weeks away as well. So super excited to be betting on hockey. Again, Leah's weenies bet. Weenie Bets will be back. Um, you just be ready. So if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, do so now. Use the bonus code PHNX. You can place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile application of at least $10, and you'll receive $200 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. You can check out the show notes for full details, and now you can listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NEW YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. 
So, you know, we know Albie's newer to the Tempe area. So we were just saying that he has to get out to Illegal Pete's on Mill. It's literally like you can walk there from Mullet. It's mm-hmm. like a two minute drive. I always tell people to go before ASU hockey games or Coyotes games just because it's a great spot. Um, great burritos, bowls, tacos, margaritas, beer, whatever you like. It's yeah, the one so in Tucson. Good. There's one in Tucson. Literally all the roadrunners hang out there. That's that's yeah. their spot. Yeah. That's where they go. So. It's so good. So yeah. Illegal Pete's is your go to spot. You can stop by for happy hour which is 3 to 8 p.m every day that is a great window of time mm. um all 12 locations including the two in arizona legal pete's is your go-to spot for burritos buddies and beer for 28 years all right let's get into recruiting yeah let's <laughs> talk about recruiting uh again we were talking off the air um this is a big deal to arizona state and i know greg powers is over the moon excited to have you here because this is i mean the, the college game is about recruiting as much as it's about anything. So before we dive into the ASU piece of it, I want to talk about how you learn that craft. How do you, how do you become a recruiter? How do you become a good recruiter? Uh, well, I think, you know, obviously you have to understand the game. You know, you have to understand kids and players. And like, to be honest with you, a lot of it is pretty, pretty much like sales. Like when you get someone mm. on campus, mm. you got to basically identify and then you have to have the confidence in what you're looking at and trust your resources um, of what the coaches are telling you, the advisors are telling you, and you've got to filter all that information into making a decision. Or am I going to offer this kid an opportunity to come? Because you've got to live with them, hopefully for four years. Sometimes it's less. Um, but that's that's a big thing. And just understanding the game and players and being a little bit of a student and being like pretty hungry, you know, to, to make sure you build the right type of team. We always think about the recruiting processes. You're in the living room, you're talking to mom and dad. Do you have any funny stories from the recruiting trail? How the things that were good, things that were funny or things that went horribly wrong? Oh, I'm sure a lot's gone wrong. (laughs) Uh, nothing, nothing too, uh, too great. I guess maybe a local story with, with, Alexander Kerfoot, who played, yep. we end up myself and Ted Donato, the head coach, flew up to his place up in what was it, West Vancouver, you know, big place, beautiful home, um, and he was just sitting there, and we brought you know the Harvard maroon sweatshirt. It was my sweatshirt, and I think the kid thought we were bringing it. I think we thought we were bringing it to him, and we left. He's like, "Where's my sweatshirt?" <laughs> and the dad talked to Teddy. He was like, hey, the entire time he couldn't think anything about Harvard but the sweatshirt. <laughs> So I think he thought he was getting a gift. He didn't get one. I'll have to ask Alex. About yeah, that now that I know that's that. that's what his dad said. I've never actually <laughs> talked to him about it, but so that's hilarious. We, we we mentioned this at the top of the show. You've coached or recruited some really big names, and let me just rattle off some of these. And of course, these weren't all at BU because we know you were you were in other places as well, yeah. including Harvard. But some of the names that you've coached or recruited, Crazy. it's just a ridiculous list. Adam Fox. Trevor Zegras, Jack Eichel, Charlie. I, I don't know why I have to say this. Can you just say in Charlie Boston, McAvoy? Because I always Boston feel like accent. I have to say it in a Boston accent, so we should just <laughs> Charlie let you say it. McAvoy. Charlie yeah. McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Clayton Keller, Alex Kerfoot, as you just mentioned, Brady Kachuk, Jimmy BC, Jordan Greenway, Jake Ottinger. What are the secrets to landing big names like that? Those are those are big fish. Those Crazy. are well known names. All of them in the NHL. I think it, some of it depends on like the school you're at too, right? So yeah. you have to have, you know, mm-hmm. asset value of where you are and what your, you know, staff is like and what the opportunity is. At Harvard, you can get in anyone's living room, pretty much. Yeah. You know, it's just getting, seeing, making sure they could get into the school. There's no scholarships and just making sure that they 
believe in the hockey process as well as the education sells itself. So uh, BU's got good tradition. You know, Northeastern had good tradition. So other places that I worked at, you know, you get the, we were selling Boston, you know, the, the city. Yeah. Like people wanted to come play in the bean pot. And each school was a little bit different. Um, and then it's just a matter of going out and, you know, having believability. You know, David Quinn was, you know, good looking guy. You know, he was very, you know, he had a very good uh, good way about him mm -hmm. in selling himself and the program and his vision for it when I got there. Um, and he, he obviously did a good job there and moved on to the NHL, two different jobs. So I think it's a lot of it has to do with some of the institution, but then, you know, what your kind of plan is, the vision, the vision for that player. So, mm. and just relationships, you know, more times than not, if they don't, they don't like the people that are talking to them. Yeah. It's not going to work. I chose BU over BC. I used to go to BC games way more than BC. Uh, BC games way more than BU because of the coach. Mm. But, yeah. Well, one of the guys on that list, obviously, is our very own Clayton Keller, um, who Coyotes fans know very well, obviously. What can you remember about his recruiting process? And did you know at the time that he'd probably, probably be a one-and-done player for you guys? One and done, no, but Clayton was arguably one of the best players, even the the great above him, by age above him. He was electric. He always has been one of the best players, and I think it was just a matter of who was going to get him and then how long was he going to be in school. Mm -hmm. He was so competitive. He's athletic. He's You've seen him play a lot more than I have um, for the Coyotes, but he's a, he's a special player. He's not a large guy either, So, but to have that like competitiveness and – toughness and, and ability to get the puck back after he loses it as being a skilled player is is kind of a unique asset. But yeah, he's he's always been a special player. It was just a matter of whoever got him was going to get a good one. It's just a matter of how long. Yeah. He's a, I, I was a little shocked that okay. after one year, because um, he, uh, he had a little bit of an injury. Um, I think the, after the first month, he was out for a little bit. Um, but he took off and you know, I think he made the right choice because mm. he was able to, he has a lot of self-confidence Yeah, and that's, you have to believe in yourself to play in that league and execute in that league. So he's a Midwestern kid. Was it, did, did you think you had a good chance of him? Was Boston still the selling point? Did you, do you have competition from the big 10 for instance? Or, or well, I, I think Jack Eichel was, was a big okay. fish that allowed a lot of good players to want to go to BU. Mm. His, okay. And I didn't recruit Jack. I coached him. He was recruited, no one on staff there recruited Jack. He was recruited by Coach Paca, Mike Bavis, and the, the previous staff. So everyone mm -hmm. got the luxury of getting credit for recruiting him, but we just <laughs> were fortunate to coach him. Um, so he was there, um, and him coming, and, and what he did there set the stage for like top players to want to come there. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a really helpful piece. And if he went to Boston College then maybe some of those guys maybe have, would have gone to Boston College. Mm. So it's, I think, our goal at Arizona is to get a big piece. Yeah. Like that one big guy where Watershed. it's like, yeah. where it's, okay, this makes sense. Okay. How does it affect your planning? And you, you've done this as a recruiting coordinator as a, and as a coach. How does it affect your planning when you know you might lose these guys after one year? How do you track all that and plan for the future when you could lose these big names after one season or as has been the recent trend two years yeah well i, I think i think the pro 
you've got a pretty good ability to predict. Jack was going to be probably one and yeah. done. Um, Clayton probably not. Um, maybe. But if you pick that high, good chances are they're going to want you. So, um, but we've we had a board twice the size of the wall, projected lineups <laughs> from year to year for four straight years, wow. and then all the players within the birth years and the ages underneath. So it's it's there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of yeah. Um, like how many names are on that board? Like when you're projecting, when you know you could have all this movement. Well, you have all the ones that you have committed. Yeah, and then guys below it, but. I'd rather fish with a spear than a net. So you have like five. Yeah. And then you have a secondary group, but you have like key ones that you're really focused on mm -hmm. trying to get. Mm. That's, uh, I'm just curious because I'm, you know, so unfamiliar with the recruiting process. How early, like how young are you looking at guys? Are there guys that you're eyeballing from even maybe a younger age that once the recruiting window opens, you're targeting? Or is it more just looking at those guys in the recruiting window? Yeah. Well, the, since they changed the rules, it's, it's made it slowed it down so you can't recruit a kid until january 1st of his sophomore year okay and then of you can't school. of high school okay. and then you can't offer him anything until august 1st okay so you have that window of time to try to yeah you know recruit and get to know and that sort of thing but before it was like we like you let's go hmm. so it's a lot easier in my eyes to recruit then because less time to change your because mind. if because if you knew the entire pool you knew who the best guys or who you could project the best guys out. So you could go after guys at maybe a little bit younger age where teams weren't as comfortable mm. and trust what you were looking at. Mm. That's where. And you're saying, I mean, in spite of the rules, you're still aware, right? Like he, he, there's conversations, oh, you know who the kids yeah, are. Yeah, no, are like we've, we, yeah, we were, we were just out at the fall classic out in Pittsburgh and we, we did watch the, it would be like the 2008 birth year, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I have a son that's a 2008. So, wow. That yeah. So sophomore, sophomore year of high school. <laughs> wow. And we'll we'll know them. Yeah. Try to know the pool, and then you know maybe try to get a guy so, or two. So in your you know your title at ASU besides being an associate coach is recruiting coordinator. So what does your day to day look like? Like, are you mostly just kind of flying around North America? recruiting or are you going to be behind the bench at any games what's kind of your your job duties going to be like i think it's a combo so we were on the ice for practice today you know greg and i ran the practice the other two guys are on the road um the first versatility of our staff's pretty good i think we've got the ability to have guys that can coach and recruit for mm -hmm. me if you told me just to go out and recruit i'd do it greg wanted me to come back i think it's the start of the year so he wants me to get a little bit more acclimated with our players yeah get a better feel for what we have um, and more will be shown through the games of what we have. You know, we're just practicing versus each other now, but when the live fire and the bullets come, when the referees show up, it'll be a lot better understanding of what the freshmen look like, sophomores, juniors, seniors will be gone. So mm -hmm. just to understand our group and then building towards, you know, the type of team that he wants. We'll get into that a little bit more after yeah. the ad break. And I just wanted to ask you one more thing. Like the, when I think about your job as, as a recruiting board, it's, it's a form of scouting, but it's, it's, man, you talk about projection. Like I, we always talk about on the show, how hard it is for NHL scouts to project 17 and 18 year old kids and what they're going to look like. You're projecting them even younger and there's so much growth that's going to come in every stage of their life. It's got to be such a difficult process, Albie, just to figure out. <laughs> what these kids are going to look like, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you can look at the parents so you can see if they're going to be short or not. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you, so you crossed me off the list right away. So. <laughs> no, no, because some, some of us, there's a lot of good young, some, some smaller players that are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, if you focus on skating and hockey sense and competitiveness, mm -hmm. you can kind of have a good skeleton. And they can build like flesh from there and see what it over the years, like Zegris, when we recruited him, I think he was maybe five five. Wow. It's kind of hoping he didn't get to six foot. If he stayed at five five, he probably would have stayed for four years. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was like the good people. Joel Farabee was the same. He was not a big guy, but his dad was a really big guy. You know, was six two, six three, six four, whatever he is. And we knew Joel was gonna end up being big. But I think it's, you know, with those guys, it was skill and hockey sense and and offensive instincts, you know, for forwards. So mm -hmm. when you're building a team, you obviously have to have all different shapes and sizes. But if you have a team that can think and play at a fast pace and think at the same time, they'd be pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have lots to get into with ASU specifically more. Um, before we do that, again, you know, welcome to Arizona. It's extremely sunny here. I recommend <laughs> getting some sunglasses. I recommend specifically Shady Rays, one of our partners, uh, because they have great styles, tons of colors at an affordable price. They stand by their product and it's amazing. Craig and I both brought our Shady Rays to Australia. They made an appearance um, and mine didn't even get scratched or break broke like they didn't break in they my are backpack. durable they are I very durable that. i will say so shady I've rays abused them. <laughs> <laughs> giving out their best deal of the season you can go to shadyrays.com and use code phnx for 50 percent off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over two hundred and fifty thousand people obviously the asu hockey season is just around the corner and if you're you know getting in the spirit of cheering for asu i recommend checking out foco.com because they have a ton of asu apparel accessories toys collectibles pajama bottoms i mean they have everything asu on there um just go on the foco website type in asu and you'll be shocked at all the stuff on there if you have ASU fans in your life that you're looking for gift ideas, Foco's a great place to go. So check out Foco. They have your back for Arizona sports and you can get the best gear around by visiting Foco.com. Again, that's F-O-C-O.com and using code PHNX. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHNX for 10% off. So you've been kind of mostly in the Northeast your whole career and now you find yourself in the desert. So how did this come to be? How did you meet Greg Powers and just how did you end up here, I guess? Uh, I met Greg years ago when they started out. Um, I think they were trying to find a league and get into a league, and I was a big proponent of them trying to get into Hockey East. I thought it would have been a great, like their kind of pitch to the league was it's a direct flight, it's easy, come every other year. So it's, if you travel up to Maine from Boston, or it's four and a half hours, yeah. or if you travel to Maine from Yukon, it's like six hours, and you could take a plane, be it's in and out. You could take a red eye if you didn't want to spend an extra night. So they were kind of going through that process. Um, so I met him there, and then I came out to watch uh, Minnesota play last year um, versus ASU. Sat down with him and talked with him a bit just about the team and whatnot, about some of his players. I was watching Middlestat on Minnesota because he was draft eligible. He went through the draft a couple times. We ended up taking him um, with Montreal, but that, that was one of my, you know, second viewings of him yeah. a couple couple weekends just to clarify for people you scouted for montreal last year oh yeah i, I scouted for the montreal canadians okay, go ahead um so it was uh it was eye-opening you know i think it was right around thanksgiving there was no students and the place was packed i was like 
what? <laughs> then he showed me around campus. He, I jumped on the golf cart and I'm like, what is this place? <laughs> I'm like, I've never seen anything like it. You know, and I, I had some other talks with other teams in, in the Big Ten and some other programs out east. But I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. And he's like, we're going to get into a league. I'm like, well, it sounds good. I'm like, if you get into a league, you can win a national championship. Yeah. And he's like, exactly. <laughs> so I, that was like the first conversation. And then I think as you know, go closer to the springtime, he was looking to, you know, they added a coach and then he ended up losing the coach. So there was, there was good opportunity and I really thought about it and I'm like, it makes a lot of sense at a lot of levels. My son is actually a freshman there, um, too. Oh my gosh. So that actually worked out. He's, he's actually one of the student managers of the team or like, he's kind of like helping. He's yeah. not, there's two of them that are really good there and he's kind of like, shadowing them so i thought that would be pretty neat the tuition break is actually decent <laughs> so um so that was a that was a bonus but that wasn't the reason why i did it i just i had belief with what greg said about you know what he was trying to build as a program team i saw where they started and where they got to with very limited resources from a facility yeah you had the oceanside experience so you know yeah. it was a beautiful place <laughs> beautiful but but that's uh, the on the record comment yeah yeah <laughs> so it was uh it was definitely like really appealing so that was kind of how it first came about and then we had some more serious talks in the spring and you know i think right after the world championships i told him that i wanted to finish out the draft i did talk to the management there and said i'm gonna make a change and i finished up the draft and then i came out here did you know all along you wanted to get out of scouting i mean you were only you only did it one year for Montreal, yeah, right did i you? loved it okay i loved it it was just this was just too good of an opportunity okay. to pass up i just right. yeah it was it was it, the whole thing is shocking like, <laughs> it really is shocking when you come out here because you you don't think about it being incredible but it's better than anything out east mm. like it's not even comparable that's that's crazy to hear like we were talking off air and you i asked you where you would rank mullet among arenas and you said two which yeah was higher than i thought i, I mean i figured north dakota would be number one because that place north is dakota and then i i haven't been inside a couple other new ones but mm. from what i saw last year the environment the combination of that the facility the underneath the setup what they what the players get and how they're treated yeah it's perfect mm, okay yeah. so that that's something working in your favor when when you're out on the road as you said in your sales job but outsiders are gonna gonna look at this and say okay it's much easier to convince kids to go to bu with its tradition with boston than it is to go to asu with this location and still a lack of tradition what do you say to that and how do you combat that well i think one of greg's comments is like be the tradition like one of the slogans. So you're becoming a part of the tradition of like the founding players or building blocks. The guys that went through the first seven, eight years were guys that got it to the point where it's viable. You know, now they're in a league, they've got the facility, Greg had that vision. And now it's these next group of guys who are currently on the team. And then the guys that we bring in, they're going to really try to transport the program to a higher level. There's a, uh... There's only a certain amount of programs. Obviously, Division One college hockey does not have what college basketball, et cetera. So there's a scarcity of spots, first of all. But for these top-end guys that we we're talking about earlier, 
they still want to go often to those programs that have the reputations and all that. How do you how do you land those guys? For instance, when they had Josh Doan, you know, I I talk to people around the NHL and they would say it's great that he's going there, but you need like five Josh Doans if you want to compete for a national championship. I think it just it depends on how you build your team. You know, you look at St. Cloud. You know, they've been they've been pretty pretty good amongst college hockey, and yeah. they don't have a lot of stars. You know, Quinnipiac doesn't have a lot of stars either. So you can build it different ways, but it would be nice to build it like a little bit older, sturdy, you know, have a, have a kind of brand, but have the ability to get some elite guys mm. too, like those players you're talking about. But you don't need, you don't need a slew of them. Some of those teams have a hard time down the stretch because they're not old. You know, I think the NCHC. is a great example of that last year. That yeah. was a veteran team. And I think their average age was like almost 24 years old. Yeah. Like they oh. were like... That might be exaggerated, but they were pretty old. They had a lot of fifth-year seniors, and I think it's about the culture. I think Greg's done a great job of building a culture, um, high standard in, in everything guys do. So I think if you get enough guys in that environment and you can inject some elite players into that realm, then you could have something special. So Leah asked about your uh, some of your roles in terms of recruiting, what that whole schedule is going to look like. But when you get on the ice, how are you guys divvying up all of that. What what is your on ice component going to look like when you're actually here? Well, I think Greg does a he's like an unbelievable CEO. So he he asks the staff of you know when we do practice planning and he he's got an idea and a vision for what he wants for the week and he has us execute different portions on the ice. I'm specifically working with the D. Okay. Um, Hixie is running the forwards and Dana is helping out with the forwards too. So uh, and Greg's managing the group. We've got a goalie coach. So. I think just for uh, specific positions or position position specific, that's kind of a tongue twister. Um, I'm going to be working with the defenseman more. We all work together, but I'll be working with the defenseman. What's your philosophy? I don't know if you have a philosophy for, for working with the D. Like, what are you looking for from these guys? What will you try and impart on them? I think we just, we want to make sure we're, we're fundamentally sound. Mm -hmm. You know, how we break the puck out, how we manage the puck. You know, if we can do it with ourselves our, or in our partnership, how we kill place, how we work together um, as a group, our communication. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. If we can get the group fundamentally sound and how we get out of our, our zone, get into their zone and manage each zone and on face-offs, we, we just, we should have a pretty sound team. But the goal with the D is to make sure they're playing together and playing the right way. Okay. I have one more question that you may as well, but I, I want to ask... We, we know uh, ASU's taken just crazy steps over the years. Getting the arena was massive, obviously. The other big piece that Greg's really been pushing for is to get into a league. Now you get to join what is arguably the best conference in the country. Um, what is that going to mean for this program after one more year of being an independent? Well, it's already paid dividends. You know, mm -hmm. with some of the guys we can get to campus and recruit. Um, Greg recruited me to come. He did a good job of it because I came. <laughs> I wouldn't have come if they didn't get in the league. Yeah. Because it's hard being an independent. The human nature piece comes in. So if you're playing games and you're not in the top 12, top 14 pairwise, human nature comes in. What's what's the last month or two of the season? You're not playing for a championship. You're not fighting teams in your league. There's no rivalries. It's it's way different than anything I've ever done. So I, I think the league will ba basically help recruiting drastically you know just selling the league selling the program and then having the ability to have some 
some foes and some teams within that conference that won't like you. <laughs> yeah, create yeah, rivalries. It's really hard to do that, to that as an independent. Um, my last question for you, you know, obviously this is a different experience kind of coming to a newer program and you know you mentioned be the tradition so i'm just curious from you from your outlook what's kind of your like when you came into this role and you're looking at the next maybe one to three years what you want to accomplish for this program in that time and then you know looking out maybe like five to ten years from now what you see for the asu hockey team well i think this year it's it's hard for me to gauge i haven't seen like i saw a game last year but we've got 14 new faces so to, I haven't seen a live game. So this year it's trying to get the team to play, you know, the right style of hockey. And, and Greg is is very demanding in, in all areas. And so it's been refreshing to see how strong a relationship he has, but the culture he's built and just trying to enhance that, enhance the way they play um, and try to use some of the assets. But as far as moving forward, I want to go into the NCHC and win right away. So if we, if we have to get a guy or two out of the portal, I think we want to build from the draft, like build the guys we recruit yeah. and and pick a guy from the portal rather than live in the portal. Um, but, you know, use that to our advantage and use our, our recruiting and maybe getting some guys that might slide off other teams' rosters and whatnot from recruiting. Maybe they over-recruited and, the, and now that they have the rank and they're in their league. But I've had nothing but great feedback and responses from people that I've talked to. The ultimate goal to win the NCHC, is that feasible next year? If we do a good job, why not? If you get a good goalie, you get a good team and you play the right way, I'm not predicting it, yeah. but um, the goal is to win and that's it. We wanna win every game we play. Um, we wanna make an impact in that league and two, three years, I wanna you know, be a part of a team that we build that wins everything. Yeah. Exciting. It's an Fun exciting time about, yeah. for sure. Uh, well, before we wrap up, I just want to tell everybody about Splash Sports. If you haven't participated in Splash Sports yet, check it out. The NFL season is underway. It's been quite a season so far. And PHNX has weekly pick X and NFL Survivor contests for everyone to participate for real money. So you can head to splashsports.com slash PHNX to join in. We'll have different contests coming out and we're stoked to compete with and against you all. Be sure to click on the link in our description. You can also run your own contests over at Splash Sports as well. Craig, I don't know about you, but one of the things I'm looking forward to about being back in the U.S. is the Circle K is because Australia, Australia was lacking in Circle K. I Loaded with 7-Elevens for some reason. Circle K would thrive yeah. in Australia. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it would thrive in Australia. First of all, if they have the inner circle to save 25 cents on gas because the gas there is astronomical. Um, yeah, so they could, they could use the inner circle, um, which is Circle K's new free membership program that saves you 25 cents per gallon on your first five Phillips. And you get every six free on a selection of Circle K products. You can join inner circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details well albie thank you so much for joining us yeah, it was great talking too. to you getting to know you um and i'm really excited for this hockey season me coming too. up for uh sun devil hockey so first game you said was next weekend yeah october 6th right? friday yep. friday october yep. 6th Versus so. arizona yeah get out to the that's, mullet that's right arizona yeah. by the way get out to the mullet uh, if you haven't been to an asu <laughs> hockey game i'm telling you it is a freaking blast the games are so much fun um, and if you haven't been at mullet yet either it's a really great way 
to get in um mm-hmm. in the door so definitely check it out and uh we'll check back in with you over the course of the year i'm sure perfect good luck this season and good luck with recruiting and all that so thank you thanks for stopping Pre- by and uh thank you everybody in the chat for watching hit the like button on this video and be sure to follow along with sun devil hockey um, on their twitter account as well all season long you can follow our show at phnx underscore coyotes we will be back live tomorrow at a, our normal time of 11 a.m and be sure to subscribe to the phnx sports youtube channel as well but until then enjoy the rest of your wednesday everybody and we'll see you all tomorrow Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.